This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into a, an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this incredibly cool episode, Ariel Vega comes by to talk to us about tarot. We get a breakdown on the history, some of the major and minor arcanas, and all that kind of stuff, guys. It's a fascinating conversation. We get a dear, dear friend of mine. He's a healer and intuitive. All the ways, of course, to find him located down in the show notes. As well located down there is all the ways to find us. So check out the merch store while you're down there. And with that one last note, let's get to it with Ariel Vega. I just can't. I no, I know so... you're legit. The cards were saying that you were in the nine of cups right now, that you're oh, speaking with passion and you're elated. So I'm like, okay. I'm done manifesting. We haven't been manifesting for over a month now. The only thing I've been manifesting is the, be, the ability to embody the energies of my highest level of service. That's it. And what's been happening Can I tell is you something? I've been leveling up and it's been fucking pouring in, dude. Can what I tell you something, though? I feel like manifesting and it's it's right up there with twin flames for me. It's a buzzword mm. that has to start sort of its descent into death. <laughs> because I feel like what we're all doing at this point is aligning. Because we're beyond manifestation. You know what's funny? I talked about it in one of my readings a long time ago. And I'm not super good in Hebrew because I was one of those kids that was neurodivergent in the 80s. And so right away, I was labeled as difficult and lazy, right? It was just like stamp a label on this bitch. It's just lazy. And I went to a Hebrew school, which is so funny, until I was 17 from like kindergarten. And my Hebrew is so rudimentary. It's so like, I, I only read with punctuation. If the word doesn't have punctuation, I'm fucked. Like, I don't know what to say. But I know the alphabet really well. And um, in the world card or the universe, right? Because I use a lot more toss. I mean, I, 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 I do some readings with the right away, but I'm more of a thought person, right? Even though it is a controversial deck. Um, in the world or the universe, right? It's the letter Tet in Hebrew, which is the number 22 in the alphabet, right? The number 22 is the splendor of creation, right? But also speaks that creation is done. This is when creation rests, right? 
And so when you get the world card on a reading, usually, right, it always signifies like, okay, you're done with this lesson if you go as simplistic as that, right? You're done with the cycle, you're done with this lesson, right, at hand. But if we go more into the expansive way of the card and the letter, it speaks more of, okay, so the letter Tet, right? So creation is done. All you have to do is vibrationally align to your desire. Your desire already exists. Yes. So it's like, do you need to manifest it? No, just align to it. It will come to you, magnetize it, right? And so I feel like a lot of people still, because unfortunately in our reality, we are as humans very slow learners, mm. very stubborn. Do you know what I mean? We're very sort of like obstinate sometimes when we're when we have to learn new ideas. And so I feel like when we look at that reality of manifesting, it's still attached very much to religiosity. Yes. Which yes. is like, Jesus Christ will come down and save me and take me out of poverty, right? And it's like, no, peaches, you have the powers. <laughs> Find your own power, for God's sakes, right? That's it. We're beyond that point at this point. Yeah. I was watching Whose Line Is It Anyway yesterday, because it's my favorite show. Because I love improvisation. And so the they were doing this old, I was watching this old clip on YouTube from the 90s. And they were talking about, oh my God, I'm going to lose my train of thought. Um, what were they talking about? Oh, they were talking about aliens, right? Aliens coming in and saving us and saving the world. And I'm like, if I was an alien, I would be like, listen, you guys are on your own. Fix your own shit. Do you know what I mean? I would be more like, clean your own room, sweetie. I don't need to be there telling you how to clean your room. We can observe you and we can intervene if something is going to get out of hand, but you got to save yourselves. So I feel like we're starting to very slowly, though, very slowly. I feel like the progress is like, I don't know how to explain it. What was that in The Devil Wears Prada? It's oh. moving at a glacial pace. Glacial pace. You know, but have you felt that it's expanded recently? It's expanded. Like accelerated, right? In its rate of ascension. Right. It has. It's not like when we're talking about the 60s, 70s, and 50s, where there was all of the manifestation books were there, the authors were there, and all of that. But it was more of a niche, where I feel like now it's starting to become more mainstream. Yeah, if we're glacial now, it was... Um, geological scales back then, like what they say from oh, yeah. the Grand Canyon, which is horseshit, by the way, and I'd love to get into that with you at some point. But let's do this now. Uh, Ariel Vega, welcoming to the show. You're a dear friend of mine. Uh, you and I have just um, got this really awesome friendship going on, and I absolutely adore you. You are one of these folks on uh, TikTok that popped up, and um, you know, there, there's a light, there's an intuitive glow that folks get that I'm meant to connect with, that I know here, that I, it's my way of being able to recognize y'all in this reality, right? And you popped up as this, my wife and I adore you. We share your videos back and forth more than any, because you're you're one of these folks that, so uh, we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna get into this brief thing, I'm gonna have you introduce the audience. Uh, you're one of these folks, there's, there's a lot going on in the mysticism, in ascension, in spirituality, and there's a lot of options out there as far as what you can direct your attention at. Now, one of the things that I feel 
I enjoy the most is being able to point out things that have been so beneficial for me and I just share them with folks. And if they decide to take me up on that, awesome. Now, it just so happens that this audience is so fucking aligned that whenever I'm like, hey, y'all should check out Ariel Vega, I will inevitably get emails saying, oh my God, this is the most amazing person ever and oh my God, I'm so connected. But one of the main things is, is I'd like to showcase the varieties of ways in which healing can occur here and the varieties of options in which people have. And again, it's very convoluted out there. So if I can you know, uh, say that I've been through quite a few and I can point out one that's a shining star to me, then I would like to do so. Now, we haven't done tarot um, on the show. We haven't had anybody on that's really been to what I would say I would like to introduce my audience with to tarot with specifically. So uh, you possess so many damn healing qualities. You and I, like again, uh, I said again, have been uh, become really dear friends here and we've been having awesome conversations. And so I was like, dude, we got to get this going. So here we are. We've rescheduled this a couple times, but it's always been perfect. Uh, this is going to date the release, which I never do, but it is 3-23-23, uh, which is very, very cool as well. And I want to kind of uh, see what mm -hmm. you think about that. So Ariel Vega, again, my dear friend, welcome to the show. And uh, thank you. you. An Thank you for having me. Yeah, just tell my audience a little bit about what you do, please. Well, I'm a tarot card reader in New York City, and I'm also a healer. And I could say that I'm a holistic coach, right? But I feel like that comes sort of with what I do with the healing. So it kind of is just an extra title added to what I already do. Yeah, it's like when I started podcasting, I was like, okay, well, I'll do a podcast, and now I'm a graphic designer, a web designer, I do audio, I do video, right? It all kind of uh, encapsulates the your ability to articulate your message here and be a, a conduit. Right, exactly. I'm a vessel. Let's put it that way. I'm a vessel. It's awesome. Well, you're a hell of a vessel, and we're grateful that you've decided to get out of your own way and really embody your own healing and go through that and reinvent yourself cell by cell to be the Ariel Vega that's hanging out with us today because you're of massive service to folks. And we know that you have to be very healed to be of the level of service you are. And you're absolutely crushing it. I mean, you have one of the most right. successful pages, like you're a sweetheart, but you're real. And you give the tough love Thank shit. You. And I love Thank this. You. You'll be like, all right, it's all sunshine and butterflies. And then you inevitably, halfway through your video, will go, but, and whenever you do this little but, and you lean in, I'm like, all right, here we go, Ariel, hit me with it. But it's right. genuine, it's balanced, and it's awesome. You're not, and this is why I value you. Um, there's a lot of folks out there doing, claiming to do what you do that uh, honestly, I feel are important upon certain people's ascension path because it's all necessary and they're beautiful for putting themselves out there and they're beautiful for sharing this. But a lot of folks that seem stay on this track of, um, uh, I'm going to call it toxic positivity, even though I'm not a huge fan of that ideal because I I don't think positivity is toxic. You know, I think you, you should just share this shit. But no, at a yeah, level, right. there seems to be, uh, honestly, with some of that stuff, it feels like the people who allow folks to go on American Idol and embarrass the shit out of themselves, knowing that they will do so. Like, you don't surround right. yourself with good people, you know. Uh, you're not that. You're somebody that will say, don't go up to American Idol, dude. They're going to just rip you apart, and I'm going to be honest with you, you know? So this is the kind of balanced value I love out of you, my friend. So please. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I feel part of this reality is perspective, right? If something makes you uncomfortable, it's sort of an intuitive guidance of you to have the need to examine that certain situation that makes you uncomfortable. And so by its nature, if you add sort of judgment and condemnation, then it's going to feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. 
But if you come in with no judgment or bias to the situation and go, well, I need to look at this right deeper or at a deeper level, then you actually understand that there's tremendous good within it. And so I feel like sometimes, yes, you have to tell the person a message that might be uncomfortable, right? But within that uncomfortability, there's going to be that jewel that you were looking for anyways. Yeah, there's a realism to it. And I mean, there's an authenticity to being real. I mean, it's not all sunshine and butterflies, right? There, there are things along the way that sunshine and butterflies are important and they're absolutely woven into the fabric of this place but they're also you're there to heal you're not there to get smoke blown up in your ass and you are very in tune with that mission of yourself so again thank you oh thank you yeah so i i am uh like i said uh very grateful to have you here again bottom of my heart my friend but uh tarot uh tell us about number one how you got started with that and number two I, I'm just curious about some basics. You and I spoke on the phone about just some archetypal basics yes. and walking us through sort of a 101. And uh, folks can then, of course, all the ways to find you linked down in the show notes, your wonderful website, your TikTok, everything. So y'all can follow along and uh, just get daily readings from him like I do and my wife do. And we just appreciate you. So please, Tarot, what the hell is that all about? Thank you. Well, Tarot is basically, it was used as, um, it started about the 13th century that's what they say but it's all very speculative i'm going to be honest with you because depending on the book that you pick up some books tell you it started on the 14th century middle of the 14th century some tell you it was early 13th century some even go to say it was the 15th century so i feel like the history of the beginning of tarot is kind of a little speculative do you know what i mean yeah do you think it's older than that it's definitely older than that, but that will then we will enter completely in speculatory, um, in, in speculative territory, because it would be from the Egyptian time, right? Which you, you're absolutely welcome to speculate wildly here. It's something we really enjoy. Right. So it would be into like the Egyptian time where they were using hieroglyphics to communicate things, right? And so awakening the subconscious to understand messages through images, right? But that will be purely speculative because there is no history that tells that tarot dates to the Egyptian time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first deck, which was the Visconti deck, which happened around, that's what what I said. I'm like, some people say it was in the 14th century. Some people say it was in the 13th century. And some people say in the 15th century, right? Yeah. But anyways, it started in Northern Italy. And it was sort of a royal game, but it was a sort of, um, how do you call those? Like a table game or a yeah, card like a game? Card, like a card game. Yeah. 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 It was kind of like a card game and it was hand painted, right? And mostly royalty played with it, right? It wasn't sort of distributed generally because there weren't printing presses back then. So each card was hand painted. So can you imagine that's a lot of work? And I feel like the Visconti deck is still around. Some cards are still around. And I don't know if it's the Visconti because after that one, which is the original, comes the Visconti Sforza, right? And I don't know which one of those two we have at Yale University here in the U.S., the original cards. Wow. But just a limited number. We don't have the entire deck. Yeah, but they knew that the entire deck made up of these specific characters. Right. And so there were more cards than the deck that we use now in modern times. Right. Then we have about we had about the south of Europe when we have the Tarot de Marseille. Right. 
which resembles the modern decks. You have the higher arcana and the lower arcana. So the system is already getting to the ones that we use today for reading, right? And so that was created in Italy as well, but it traveled all the way to France, right? And became sort of more of like easier distribution because they were able to do like, um, I don't know how to explain it, like stamping things. Um, do you know what I mean? Like a stamping model. So you can just stamp the paint on the card and it was easier to distribute it in mass a little bit more, right? Still played by royalty, but it started being used in divination little by little right and then we go into the modern times because the decks that we use now are the rider weight which was originated in 1909 right and the artwork was done by pamela cole smith which wasn't really her name wasn't used on the deck up until recently right they were using edward weight which was the creator the original creator and then we have the Thoth deck, which is the one that I use the most, right? Which was actually finished in 1944. So that's the newest deck that we have really, like we have um, access to. But what is funny, and this is very important, is that two modern decks come from sort of a sect of the Rosicrucians, right? Which was sort of a esoteric, you know, occult group right through europe and one of their groups which was the golden dawn right was that was in england at that time is the ones who created the two modern decks that we have right now alistair crowley created the south deck right and edward Waite created the rider weight right and so they have a lot of like the rosicrucians right they have a lot of kabbalah in it astrology and a lot of egyptian knowledge because as you know the golden dawn was hermetic based so it was very soft it was very sort of egyptology to it or egyptian Im imagery on it right and so that's the decks that we have now and so the tarot consists into two arcanas right the major arcana which is actually sort of like the traveling or or the journey of the soul in this realm right and that's 22 cards and then you have the lower arcana which is the four elements which talks more about your interaction with the world or your reality right and so let's start with the major arcana because that's my favorite i actually use some decks like for example the white witch oracle which is just major arcana there's no minor arcana to it right this is a great tool to figure out where you are in your journey spiritually what is it that you're tackling at the moment i love to do readings when i'm going to do a reading for myself i love to see what am i most scared of right i pull one card for that and then I pull another card to what do I need to focus on right now? And then two or three more cards just to see what I need to do, right? From the major arcana. Because the major arcana starts with the fool, the journey or the beginning of the soul entering into this realm, right? So the fool is the number zero. So there is no number one, which a lot of people confuse because it's the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which actually stands for the number one. So it tends to be confusing because the full is the letter aleph right and so the letter aleph is the number one the equivalent of the number one yet the card is a zero 
I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, yet it exists. So it takes a physical value in existence, but you call it zero in numerical value. That's interesting. Right, exactly. And so that's the entering into this reality, sort of entering without judgment, not knowing anything. And that's why it's called the fool, because you're kind of entering into something you have no idea yet, right? It's kind of like, yeah, yeah I'll here I go, yeah. right? I heard it's cool. Before we start hitting all of the rest of the cards, right? And so it takes you all the way to the world card, which is the last card, right? Which is number 22, but it would be number 21. Mm. Do you get it? Yeah. yeah, because yeah. it starts with a zero. So physically, it will be the 22nd card, but numerically it would be number 21. Now, how important are the numerals in tarot? They are important if you deal with numerology, Okay, for example, sometimes. Um, but to me, for example, and I'm not a tarot scholar, I only know what I know because I'm self-taught, right? Um, to me, they don't really hold that much importance. They hold more importance with the um, respecting letter that comes with the card for me in Hebrew. And then I can understand a little bit more of what the message of the card is. But to some people, yes, it does hold a lot of importance, the numbers. Yeah, because you hear like nine of this, um, the fool, the um, tower, and all of these. Like when they come up in readings, you get this sequentialness. And I, I've seen other people be excited about the fact that one number uh, corresponded in three different arcanas, basically, or three different subsets of cards. They were like, oh my God, you got a three of pentacles here, a three of swords, and a three of this. And so that was a big deal, the fact that they were all threes. Now, again, what I love about this and these right. divination tools and everything is just the way you interpret. And so what's beautiful about this is, Everyone has a message for someone and it resonates with everyone that it resonates with. With resonating with you, it's j because I'm a I need you to go deeper and you offer us so much deeper of a look into this. And so what's fascinating about this is it's all helpful. All these people are helping somebody. The other tarot card right. readers that I came across before I found you were helpful. They, it was all great. But you get to a point into where you need a certain type of message to be delivered to you in a certain way. And this is why your followers grow. They come and go. They greet you at different stages. You then have an introductory process that then people move quickly through and then go to your next process. And then you offer also a scope, you know, you've got everything in between. So it's just interesting to me how all of these things sort of dissect and um, interact with themselves in a way that it it is numerology, it's arcana, it's symbolism, it's all of these things. Now, again, to the zero part of the full card, I was just simply curious to see if it added value. Like if you turned a three of uh, swords into a 30 of swords because the fool amplifies things in a zero way and sort of adds um, adds well, weight to the read, you know? That's actually a good question because I know a few readers, particularly here in New York City, local readers who are really good. They're actually tarot scholars. So they're really good at going deeper into those meanings and those significance and the thing the, the the importance of the numbers right and so yes there is a, a, a meaning to those things that are very important to some readers it's and it is really important to have knowledge to it but the knowledge that i have is pretty superfluous because i'm very sort of like let me see what the message is so i'm very sort of like let's do this put the gloves on let's look yeah. at this but the number zero it's actually funny that you bring that my interpretation to the zero doesn't go by the book. So I'm going to give you my interpretation of the zero. The zero represents the alpha and the omega, right? So I don't know if you ever heard of the Ouroboros. Ouroboros, mm -hmm. Right, which is the snake, snake eating its, its tail. tail. So the zero to me is infinity, 
right? It's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, right? And so the fool can end you because if you look at the fool in whatever it falls, for example, if it falls in a situation in which you're being fooled into, then the fool has a negative connotation. So if you think about it, the zero always stands in the middle of the numerical value, and you can go one, two, three, four, five after the zero, but then you can go into the negative numerical value from the zero as well. So it's like perfectly balanced in that point, right? So the zero is like, how are you starting this journey? Are you going to start it negatively or are you going to start it positively, right? What are you choosing from? Which goes into more even woo-woo because then we start looking into like, why did you incarnate it into that family? Why were your parents, I don't know, narcissistic or abusive? Like, why does that make, you know what I mean? So it goes deeper because then you start understanding the value of a journey that you chose. Some people might be born with physical, um, how do you call that? disabilities or challenges disabilities right and so there are journeys chosen that are much more difficult than others i don't know how to explain it no you nailed it you nailed it and so it takes you into the negative value but it's negatively negatively perceived because it adds positive value to your journey and discovering yourself so i feel like that's why we have the zero is the most important to me all the other numbers other readers find importance in but to answer your question, is the numerical value for me takes more importance in the lower arcanas, which is what you were saying. Okay. Like the three of wands, the three of pentacles, the four of cups, right? That's where numerical value for me takes more importance as a reader. Because I feel like that's at the point in which if you attach it to numerology, you understand. To give an example, number five is my favorite in the deck. Because I tend to love, as you saw that, I tend to go, but, right? That, yeah, that. <laughs> so the number five stands there for change, having to change something at a certain capacity, whatever it might be, right? But it stands to the ego, right? So let's look at, for example, the five of wands, which is Saturn and Leo, right? It's challenging to the ego, the situation you might be going through. But if we remove the ego out of the equation, maybe you will get a clearer picture of what the next set of actions need to be from you. Yeah. It's right? like, let's remove your perspective from it. And here's what it just looks like on paper. Now you make the decision. Right. Because the five of ones to me particularly, and, and the reason I keep saying this is because every reader and particularly the ones who are really scholars in tarot, right? I'm a very sort of, um, to me, it's more of a means to an end of healing, right? So I, I've never taken like the major sort of catalytic classes to this and this and that, right? So I want to make it clear that some readers will be like, but you didn't mention this, right? And it's like, so I'm making it clear that this is all to me. So it's my perspective. So for example, when you look at the five of wands, it's the idea that you need to win. But at one point or another, Life is going to show you that this is not about winning or losing. Do you get what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's about gaining value, which takes you back to the Leo, because Leo has incredible positive aspects to itself. Because if Leo comes in and learns from a circumstance, then you're growing. 
right? But Saturn and Leo, it's kind of like we need to look at this way in which you look at challenges and you look at life. And the self has to be removed out of the equation. You know, it, it's sort of like, yes, you can go on an awesome trip in this car, but every now and then you need to take a look under the hood and do some maintenance on that vehicle that's getting you where you want to go. Exactly. Exactly. Understanding at a deeper level. Yes. Right? Yes. Also, sometimes it's looking at the vehicle and saying, thank you so much for taking me from A to B. Oh, God, every time. That's so no grateful. matter what condition it's in. <laughs> we're grateful for that. Absolutely. And this is the thing about this. And I'm so grateful you brought this up, you know, because this idea of experts and this idea of, oh, you have to go to this person over this person because they X and this person Y. There, There's an interesting uh, correspondence here to just vibration. And once you really understand this, and this is something we talk about that I speak about my experience on just so hopefully, like if people want to just try this out and give it a good honest go, you can make this place whatever the fuck you want. You can really pilot your own ship here. And one of the things is this understanding that there is really no right or wrong here. There's resonant harmony and frequency to where you currently are. You currently are. And so whenever but you're you... missing the most important element. Oh, please. Interpretation. Oh, th this is where I was heading with it. So thank you. Uh, the yeah. what you are gravitated towards. There's a reason you're there for all of the scopes on e this side of the zero and that side. And so again, I'm grateful for the full perspective on the zero middle. Uh, that that was a wonderful visual you gave us. So this idea that you can calibrate all of that, and that it's uh, an opportunity for you just to take what resonates, leave what doesn't, right? And you all, I, I hear this quite a bit and I love this. It's your way of shopping what resonates with you, which changes constantly, by the way. Now, what I love about this too, is you've been a constant feed in my algorithm. I've, I've talked about the woo-woo aspects of how social media functions. I don't look at it like, uh, yes, there's an element of sponsored content, all that. I don't feel a slave to that system. I'm not shadow banned because I don't see myself as shadow banned, right? I don't see the, the tool in which I'm using this, these social medias to gain a higher perspective and to connect with people, uh, other versions of ourselves here on that level as something damaging. And so therefore it's not my algorithm when it comes up, right. it is consistent. It's awesome. It's accelerating. It's expanding. Like it's not something I'm like, Oh, why is that there? Everything belongs here. And you have been the reader that has been constant in my feed as I've grown, which tells me that we're growing together and really that this has been a symbiotic relationship. And you'll do this and folks come in and out of your algorithm and things like that. But again, right. this consistent um, it, uh, participation in the way that you do things is a resonant frequency to me. And so I recommend what resonates for me. I don't talk shit about anybody else. Uh, and I don't care that you're not some scholar because honestly, your interpretation and your ability to get out of the way and be a clear conduit and to find things, again, like the numerological values that are specific to you that tell you a specific thing. There are other intuitives that I follow that say, okay, well, uh, this means this to me. And anytime I see that, I know it means this. And what's great about this is these associations each of you have as a healer to muck through the convoluted like i don't even know you know how this comes in and we always talk about these divine messages and downloads and stuff like that but jesus to process it right and to be able to make something out of it because it all speaks in rhythm and code and numerology and all kinds of like a butterfly flew by with three dots on its wing i'm supposed to know what that right. means you know what i mean so y'all's ability to find what resonates with you and to get consistent results with 
supplementing a penny for whenever you taste copper in your mouth and knowing that that penny means money or wealth like there but it also means grounding right so you guys have these different ways of interpreting and then you do this with every arcana with every emotion with every available option here and so it's this incredible right. way of gathering information but well, it's from the your beautiful intuitive. thing the beautiful thing about social media and and the sort of surge in the popularity of tarot is that we have an incredible tapestry of readers out there. Totally, totally. And so since now we are realizing more and more that everything is synchronistic in nature, yes. right? Yes. Each and every one of the readers and their style of reading will attract the people who are in that particular level, which is incredible to me. So, for example, if you're interested, because I was watching one of the friends that I, 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 I told you, that's an incredible scholar when it comes to tarot. He can go 10 times deeper, deeper than me, right? And so this person i was watching their videos and i'm like wow you're like a fountain of knowledge right and so for example if you're a budding reader that wants to learn the deeper meaning of the cards and you're attracted to that for example you're always going to gravitate towards him do you get what i mean and that's the beauty of each and every one of the tarot readers who are extremely talented you've seen him on TikTok. exactly They're incredible talented readers that i take my hat off to them because i'm like wow you're fantastic you're amazing right and so tarot at the end of the day it's sort of understanding the value that things hold in this reality because in this reality everything will hold a certain value let's use a very contradictory i mean not contradictory but sort of um um how do you call that Conspiratorial um, taboo, taboo. I love taboos. They're uh, barriers to knowledge. Right. I love that. So let's look at, for example, the Old Testament and the New Testament, right, on the Bible. If you were to pick up the book and read it word by word, and you're only able to interpret what you read, is the gained value of what you read. Those who chose to go deep, choose to go deeper into the message like the scholars used to do, right, the religious scholars, they will then understand the value of the message in the story, right? And so you can continue peeling layers over something that is simplistic as a book. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you give it all the meaning, which is wild to me. Right. So we have these tools of power in this reality that are an extension to us in the spiritual realm. And that's why when you look now at a material thing, you have to look beyond what you see. Right. It's not so you thing, have it's to be willing to come to all the way to the edge. To give you an example, if you are just, you know, you're just walking on a trail, right? You'll see a bunch of rocks and you're like, they're just rocks. But if you were stranded in an island, actually you will be glad that you find a rock because that's going to help you open that coconut mm, mm -hmm. so during your trail walk a rock was just a rock on the side of the road right it held no importance but being trapped in that island oh my god that rock you're going to cherish that particular rock because it has a triangular shape it's really sharp and you're going to use it to open your coconuts or maybe if you desire to eat fish or something it's going to help you cut the fish right and so 
it would hold a higher value. I don't know how to explain it. You nailed it. No, you nailed it because it's important when you, at the time, right? It's um, There's actually a silly movie reference that just popped in my mind, so I'll just say it here. Uh, there's a movie called Paycheck with Ben Affleck back in the, I want to say mid-2000s. Have you ever seen this? Yes, it's okay. with... Uma Thurman, right? Uh, I want to say I yes. So. Yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. She was like a scientist. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's all clicking out. Okay, in that movie, and this is not a spoiler for anybody, um, and it's a silly movie anyway. Uh, the, basically, the dude gets his memory erased because it's in the future, and he works on projects that he can't remember, and so he gets his memory erased. He just gets a paycheck, and that's why it's called that, right? Something, of course, happens to where he leaves himself an envelope of just random objects, right, it's from anyone's perspective. And then whenever he gets his memory regressed, right, and loses his memory... This envelope presents itself, but each of those little items triggered something in him that right, was important at the time. Exactly. It yes. triggered a memory, which led him to this greater thing, which is sort of like this. We're given these gifts, like in the form of, let's say, Ariel Vega. And they just go, here you go. Here's an Ariel Vega. Here, it's got a lot to offer. Let's see what, what you can get out of this. And there is so much to be offered there. But again, like you said, it's not all needed. Like, you don't need to carry a backpack around of all of the shit that you own, even though you may use some of it every now and then. You have a place for that, right? You only pull the things or take the things on road trips or trips with you right. that you need. So what you're describing pretty much is Gleedon, which I actually posted on my TikTok. But you know what's funny is when you when you post a stationary image on TikTok with a message, it doesn't do well. TikTok, I feel, loves more of a talking video and talking point. Kinetic, and, yeah. Yeah, a little more of an energy to the video, right? But Gleedon is sort of an unexpected message that it's pertinent and a lot of people just call it simple synchronicity right but it's pertinent to you at that moment right yeah. so you might be involved in a thought pattern right but you have your headphones on and you're listening to a song that you heard maybe fifty thousand times in your life and then suddenly one line of the lyrics it's answering what you were thinking right that it's called cleed on right and so throughout our lives, because for me, that's how I learned, because I went to, I, I told you I went to a religious school, but this is, we were talking about this off the record in one of our chats over the phone. And so it was called Medinat Israel, which in, in, in translation is the country of Israel, right? And so I went to that school from kindergarten to senior year in high school, right? And so we had to study a lot of religion. We had to study Torah, which is the Torah that they call it here, right? And then we had to study Tanakh in high school, right? Which is sort of like the Old Testament coming out of the Torah and going into the stories of King David, King Solomon, right? All of that stuff. And it was a very religious school. And I'm kind of glad because I learned Hebrew through that school. But that's neither here nor there. I created sort of like in paycheck, and I realized that when I was older, I created the things that were in that envelope that I needed. Yep. To give you an example, my brother had an old vinyl of the police, right? And I don't remember the name of the album. Was it Phantom in the Machine? Oh, I can fact check this for you if you'd like while you keep going. Yeah. Right. I think it was Phantom in the Machine or Ghost in the Machine, something like that. But I remembered he would play this one song that said, we are spirits in a material world, right? And I was like, are we spirits in a material world? So the knowledge that I needed throughout my life was always for me hidden sort of with Cleedon in pop culture. I don't know how to explain it. 
No, you nailed it. Because uh, pop culture is one of the things that pings on this so much for us, which is why I feel that the Mandela in fact, Mandela effect is so important because it hits exactly on pop culture. It hits on our cledons, right? On our own specific cledons. We're like, no, no, no. I remember, and I have these stories, I remember watching the movie Shazam uh, with Sinbad in my basement of my aunt and uncle's house in Kansas when I was a child. We used to go up there all mm -hmm. the time, hang out with my cousins and stuff. I remember watching that movie. I remember the orientation of the TV because they moved the TV. And I remember going, oh, the TV used to be there and that's where we watched Shazam. So I have right. cledons of these specific things that no longer exist or we're told no longer exist in our reality. Now, this is why it's so interesting, though, you pop up the pop culture reference of this. We do this more than anything because I, I feel that pop culture references are sort of like our hieroglyphics. There are ways that we connect to images, sound, emotion, time periods, nostalgia, and we can wrap all that up in one Wayne's World quote, right? Uh, for posterity on what we were just talking about here, The Police, it was their second album called Ghost in the Machine, and that was 1981. Ghost in the 1981, everybody. Second album. Boom. First album in, yeah. Uh, and so what's the name no. of that song? It's not their second album. Uh, anyway, it was 1981 because they had one in 78, 79, 80. Anyway, this is in a wrong order, so I apologize for that. Anyway, Ghost in the Machine. What was Ghost the name of the song you said? Yeah, something um, about material. Uh, the list of songs is just Demolition Man, uh, Secret Journey, Invisible, Invisible Sun, Hungry for You, One World, and then Too Much Information. It doesn't give me like a, this song is about. I'm sure we could go okay. deeper, but anyway, it makes sense. Yeah. And like, but anyway, like I said, it, it, it wasn't that album that my brother used to play because he was four years older than me. So this was in the mid '80s. He would play that album sometimes, and I would hear that song, right? And I was like, okay, it makes sense. So a lot of those references for me, I had the structured sort of religious learning through school, but a lot of the tidbits that I needed, I guess, when I entered my 30s and 40s. <laughs> was sort of hidden in little tidbits that were sort of in pop culture, which takes me to Cledon because it's going to take me to reading tarot again. So I'm going to circle back around. I, I trust <laughs> I you. I love this. I trust I you. Take us for a ride. So what happens is when you get all these tidbits of information, right? And I was a super, super Jim Henson fan as a child because I'm a child of the 80s. And so the Dark Crystal, which is actually from the 70s, but I saw it on VHS when I was in, in the 80s when I was a child. Um, and Labyrinth and all of this sort of movies were also bringing a lot of the things that I was going to use and implement spiritually as an adult, which is so funny. And so unbeknownst to me, until I became a little more self-aware in my 30s, I was actually acquiring all that knowledge since I was a child, right? So then I realized that Cledon is a real thing, that in this reality, we're not talking about the police or sting. The police or sting were just a conduit to that message to be in this reality. Yes. So it wasn't about the police itself. Uh, you know what I mean? It was more about this is, we're going to use the police to get this message through. 
Does that I, make sense about Cleta? It makes, it makes so much more sense than, you know, an example I've used on the show is Garfield. Uh, Garfield, of course, is not a, air quotes, real character, right? It's not a real thing running right. around, but there's images and icons of Garfield everywhere. Now, let's say uh, the example I've used is, let's say that there's a young woman with a Garfield t-shirt on a bus somewhere, okay? And then a dude's on his phone somewhere and has a Garfield screensaver, and they just happen to love Garfield low-key. But that is something that connects them, and then they end up having a baby, you know, getting married, having a baby that then comes on to change the world. Right. Now, you could say, is Garfield real or not? Well, it's all about what you make it. So this Cledon phenomenon is, it seems to be this guiding whisper, this, like your souls, it's your paycheck um, envelope. It's little things along the way that you're like, I don't know why I'm so attracted to that, but I've got to know more about it. And that's like following right. your soul's mission. And in this place, in the sea of delusion with all this noise out here, what and the benefits and tools that but we talk about. But it's designed that way, purposely. It is designed that way. Because but you're otherwise here, the game wouldn't be exciting. Oh, I completely agree, and I love this. And this is why, like, you're here to just, to open this up in us, and you're one of these Cledons here. You're one of the ones going, oh, hey, well, if you think about it this way, and that's going to spark something, or we're going to hear, I've heard you do this. You'll make a movie reference, and I'm like, oh, my God, and that'll send me off on a whole thing, and it opens up this whole box with one little tiny thing that you said. And those little unpackings, they're like uh, packets of Narnia. Like you open this tiny little thing you think is going to be small, but there's a whole world in there. That oh my God, you. it expands. It yes. just, it goes into, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, right? And there are layers that you're peeling. So going back to that, we're all conduits at one point or another. And all of the tarot readers that are out there are basically conduits. What we do is we deliver a message to something that you need or you have an urgency to understand, not only about the world around you, minor arcana, or the situation you find yourself in, minor arcana, but where you are in life period, major arcana. Do you get what I mean? Yes, because it's tailoring small things to add up to the bigger picture that it is your sole right. mission here. So it ultimately goes beyond divination into a tool of self-actualization. Yes, it's not about the thing. It's a I'm sorry. Con Did you hear that ping? I'm going to put my phone on silent, sir. Uh, I didn't actually. Um, no, oh, okay. I was saying it's it's not about the thing. It's about the that the thing is always just a vehicle. That's your envelope. You open that. I've seen these artists do these things with these um, drawings where they'll get on an iPad, you know, and they'll draw something incredibly intricate, and then they'll zoom into the eyeball of something of a small character on that big screen, right? And then right. in the eyeball of that character is a completely new world, and you just keep zooming in. And this is like what you're talking about about the unpeeling of the layers. And again, right. folks like you are here to go. Hey, here's a here's a hole in the next layer if you grab that and peel it back you will break away to this whole new reality but you poke the hole in the layers that's what these cleadons are right and so you know what is important too here because i talked about interpretation right because if you find a rock while you're just you know strolling down a park it's just a rock it has no holds no value but again in that deserted island then it holds incredible value to you because now it becomes a tool think for survival. Exactly, and think about the deserted island of connection. The woman on that bus was passed over by everyone. They saw her shirt and didn't mean anything, right? But that one individual that knew Garfield, that's why she wore that shirt that day, was because of that connection. She, for some reason, right. put the damn thing on. Everyone else passed her by because it wasn't right. for them. It's beautiful. Right, so in, the, in, in, in ancient Greece, right, they, ha they had the oracles of Delphi. Mm -hmm. Right now, whenever the oracle spoke, it spoke sort of in a riddle form. And so you had this monks and, you know, and they were male and female, the monks. Right. 
and they will then interpret the message that the oracle delivered. Do you got it? Yeah, because the things it brings up in each independent monk is what needs to that independent monk needs to tell, the and then it's it's bigger pictures of the puzzle. It's like okay, you get this side of the puzzle, you get another corner, and you get another corner, and you're going to be able to build your own right. puzzle off of this. But this is the piece you need now. Right. Exactly. And so when you connect in that way, right, and you're getting the message through just a simple image on the card, mm -hmm. there right? are sometimes you understanding, you'll... you start entering the image and then it starts expanding. You'll you'll point this out. You'll point out like a little you'll be like, look, here's a little bunny rabbit in the image. And there are things right. like that you point out in there. And I'm like, yes. And it starts connecting to other cards you've pulled with. Uh, it's fascinating the way this all connects. Right. And so it starts opening this puzzle. Yes. Yeah. Right. And that's why everyone has a different, you know, way of reading the way in which they lay the cards. I'm more of a star storyteller. So I tend to lay them one next to each other. Yeah. And you know which organization, too. I'll see you organizing them. You're like, no, no, no. This one goes in here. And this is another question I've got for you. So I'll just pop it in here. How do you know how to organize the story whenever they all come out? Because the order of order the order is very important so how do you know when they kind of just all flop out right and you're like oh i'm called spirit wanted me to have this and you pick them up and lay them out how does that work i don't really because i'll tell you something that is incredible when i'm doing a reading is sometimes the following card which is on the right to my hand right is actually the answer to the previous card yeah when sometimes i would get the answer to the next card on the left so this there really is isn't an order. It is. I yes. just lay seven and seven for myself. Right. Right. But for example, if I want to know why the person came to me, I usually pick three piles, right? So I cut it in three piles, which is what you saw last night on the last reading I yes. did on tape. Yes. And so I would turn the front card and then I would pick up the pile and look at the bottom card because where you are, and what you need to do is what I want to know right now. So cool. So it will give me a map into who you are, where you are in your journey. So I always start my readings with that, particularly the one hour ones, the 30 minute ones. It's, it's more reserved for people who have a question at hand, right? Like what's going on with my business right now? Why are we having this financial issues? Right. And then you book a 30 minute reading and we'll just focus on that one question. But for an hour reading where we need to know what this person needs to do, where they are in their journey and all that, I always map out that way who they are right on one side. And the key to move from that situation will be at the bottom. Right. And so each and every person has a distinct way of reading. Right. We all started with that. Um, what's the name of that cross? Um, there's a cross layout that you learn <laughs> when you start reading tarot. Right. I forgot the name, um, something cross, Celtic cross. There you go, the Celtic cross, right? We all start there. But then you start realizing that you're like, well, I need to adapt it to my own, right? Much like a ballet dancer, you can be given all the technicalities of what you need to do in the move, but you're going to end up making your move yourself, which makes you famous. Do you get what I mean? Of course. Because it's like you guitar. adapted it to you. Yeah, it's like a guitar. Like I would do all this tap stuff on it and create harmonies and all that stuff up on the top of the neck and play it unconventionally. But it, 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 you're just given a tool. You're given an instrument, and you, the symphony you create out of it is what's so beautiful. And again, like you with your cards, you have a connection to these decks. These aren't just pieces of you know cards. But you also have around. a connection to the guitar. 
and this is what I was saying, like there's a there's a relationship formed by spending that much time with anything. Right. And so inorganic or not. Right. It's it's all organic because it's here. So the idea that uh, this 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 relationship that you form with the tool and I was I didn't start tapping, you know, you start strumming and you start working on your chords and fingerings and all that. You play very basic bitch stuff, but you very quickly adapt your style to that. Like you said, it's, it gives you a formula. It gives you a template like website uh, templates. It gives you like okay, you can use this, but you can actually just start here and then just do anything you want. But to go into that example, that it's that's a perfect example. You can strum a guitar and use it classically, right? Especially if you're holding a classic guitar, right? But you can completely take it into like a gypsy or a flamenco style where you're tapping yes. and you're bleeding the strings and you're like, and then you're suddenly you're like, I did not know you could do that with a guitar. It, that's incredible, right? And, and really all a guitar is like your tarot deck is an expression of source through f making its way through, through you. Imagery. Yes. Yeah. Right. Through sound, imagery, so, anything, feeling, emotion. Yeah. Right. So that imagery will wake something up within your subconscious that helps you interpret the message. So when I teach people to read, right, I always say, if we hold a card, what do we have right now? The Knight of Swords, right? Excitement, which is good in this particular case. It means many other things, which is funny, too. There's a plethora of meaning right to it. But what I tell people is concentrate at all four corners of the card at the same time as you're looking at the card. And once you're nailed the looking at the four corners of the card, then start concentrating on the center of the image. But never let go of the four corners, all at the same time with your eyes. What that does is it hyper-focuses you into the image and starts the beginning of sort of entering the trance into understanding the card at a deeper level. Because at that moment, you're forming a, the communication with the card. So now you're speaking to each other. So the tarot deck, like you said, it is inorganic. It's 350 gram paper. If you look at it scientifically, it's just 350 gram cardboard paper, right? But it is organic in nature because you're having communication with this particular entity. So it becomes an entity by itself. Yes, yes. And then when at rest, it's just cardboard. It's an egregore. It's a tulpa. It's a tool here. It's another, it's an ally. It's, it's so cool. Right. And so tarot can have so many layers you can go completely like i said to you deeper into the meanings of the imagery and the symbolism and the letters on it and the numbers on it right and you can go completely scholar and understand and dissect the, the cards from there and you can go as simplistic as what is the message the card is giving me at the moment do you get what i mean so it's your guitar you can strum on it but you can beat it and you can make it bleed and you can make it really go into something that it's almost superhuman. Yeah, yeah. If you wanted to with the guitar, you can make the guitar superhuman. You know, and applying it to what you do, it's interesting because you do get all these uh, symbols that mean a variety of things to you, but also where this comes in and the conduit element of it, why it's useful to other people is because you're able to intuit what they, where they are so that you can determine the variety of energies that embody that one card and know based on the layout, but also this, this feeling process of the person sitting across from you, the energy embodied in the experience has so much to do with the interpretation. That's why you're important. That's why it's so interesting and so fascinating. Oh, thank you. 
Yeah. Well, it takes the healer, right? It's it's like you, like a great guitar player. You go you go see them. They've spent a ton of time with that. They've gotten very intimate with that. It has changed them. It is a conduit to source for this person. And and the the true ones glow. You know, the ones that really you can tell are doing this with passion and are here to serve. They glow. And just like a great musician, man, you get into it. You feel it. And uh, that's something I just find so cool about this. Again, authenticity is easy to spot. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah right there. Got it. Right. And so it's it's very important to understand the meaning of reverence, which I feel like our culture completely lost. We take our phone for, phones for granted, and then we look at it with judgment and condemnation because they radiate, you know, EMFs, and it's so bad for your health. TikTok's right? another great example. Oh, we can't be right. on China spying on us. It's like, well, okay, everyone's spying on everyone, maybe, if you're allowing that, but it's a great tool for me. It has been a beautiful connection tool for me. I exactly. have a completely different experience in the narrative. For me, it's completely different. A lot of people are like, oh, but you see junky videos of people dancing, right? And I'm like, I don't. I don't. I, don't. I really get a lot changed. of other incredible tarot creators. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of spiritual messages. I get people like you who help you expand your point of view, right? So there is all of this for me is like such an enrichment tool. Yes, you can use it to watch people dancing if that's what you want to watch. Because there are days where I really just want to watch kitten videos. Dude, totally. And I'm all about those <laughs> and they're, 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 they're readily available, right? So I'm like, I'm going to watch all this cat bloopers on TikTok. And that's what the algorithm will give me at that point. So then you're connecting to a tool at a magical level. Yes. And, and to me, because the tool intuitively knows what it is exactly that you need at that moment. A hundred percent. And what but you I make this reality your bitch if you can we say that on youtube <laughs> Fuck yeah we can well it doesn't matter if we, we say anything we can i won't put it on youtube i'll put it at the other places we're welcome but youtube has been fine lately i have a different relationship with that i have been manifesting a different relationship with everything right. i engage in and so nothing's been banned shadow banned anything like that i view what this is differently and so therefore we're widely protected and it is uh, right. viewed that way so uh this but this this interaction between source and self um self air quotes it's just this fascinating tapestry of all of these ways to lock into greater understandings here hidden in symbol right. symbolism code and intuition and feeling and this is why i think so many things appear here completely separate but that are absolutely true right a uh, dichotomy right this idea that two contradictory points can exist in the same place at the same time and i believe that the entire reality is based on contradiction so this is it. So what I see, um, what I see TikTok as is a microcosm of your expanded reality out here, as far as the way that your interaction with like attracts like is, right? If you hop into an experience, let's say life, and there is a bunch of noise here, because the first thing you get on TikTok is people getting hit in the nuts, dancing videos, a bunch of low vibe shit. We'll just say that. Now you go through and curate, right? You're being programmed to only receive but this stuff. Can I stop you right there yeah. just to ask you this because I because before I lose the train of thought. But if let's say you went through a very sort of like stressful situation in your day, right? You got some really bad news of an unexpected expense that now you have to fork out, right? And then suddenly you're like, I need to rest, right? You can go the route of meditation and all of that. But for someone, their meditation might be somebody getting kicked in the nuts on TikTok. So does it need 
the label of being low vibrational. And that's fair. And I'm grateful you pointed that out. There's actually a guy uh, called Humor Bagel. It is what it is. I love that you pointed this out. What I mean to say is, is that there's probably going to be things that uh, you'll find fun and interesting, but there's a deeper level to things on TikTok. And by the, when you start curating and you start finding videos like yours, what you will see is that you'll find an energetic detachment from the ones that were bombarding you at the very beginning because of the way the app's set up, right? It's set to engage you in this um, in, in what the masses want, right? Which again is very appealing. Again, humor bagel shout out. This dude runs around New York city, uh, central park actually. So I hope you see this guy. If you ever do go give him a hug, tell him I want to oh, show him and he fart. He has this little farty yeah. thing in his hand. Yeah. And he just runs around farting in tunnels and shit and making everybody's day around him. Central this- park, which I love. Well, yeah. So if you see him, go tell him I said hi and tell him I'd love to have him on the show, please. But this humor <laughs> bagel guy. And so there's a scope here. What I mean to say, and, and thank you for, for pointing that out. Uh, what I mean to say is, is that there is a journey here for certain type of folks that wish to move forward in a certain type of conduit. Now, what we realize at our level here, where, where I'm at now, is I've been authentic the whole time. I cuss here, like you said, we talk about anything. I'm real. Uh, I'll drop a queef sound effect on the show. That's fine, because that's who I am. I find that funny. But the thing about it is, is this idea of pure ascension, and you got to only be light and love. I agree with you. Humor Bagel is one of my favorite things is because in the middle of all my ascension, there's a fart video that'll come out and oh my God, do I love it. You need the pattern interruption. It's just interesting that folks will go and say, this is all that's here and then move on or just submit to the feed and they'll say, okay, well, I'm just going to stay at this and not expand to the other options that are available to me here. Now, just like this life, you can just run around farting and stuff, which is fine, or being pushed by the whims of the algorithm in a certain way. But when you really start to control it, like what you and I've done on TikTok, we start to tell the app, hey, here's the way that I want content on here. Here's what I'd like to engage in. And it doesn't give a shit what it is. It just wants you on and engaged. I see this as life, right? Like attracts like. It only sends you algorithmic things to keep you engaged in whatever your attention's focused on. So it's on scarcity. It'll keep sending you a ton of that, of those air quotes videos in your reality. If it's a positive mindset, that's when you can clear out all the shit. You start receiving only those videos. So it's this algorithm change that you do on a macro scale. So the one thing I loved about growing up in the 80s is my parents were sort of some, somewhat, they weren't like super heavy, but they were somewhat sort of like... Um, audiophiles okay right so we had a lot of records in my house and we had an incredible system our music system was like state of the art because i think my they, they bought it in 1984 and it was the first sort of digital cassette player which was to me i'm, I'm still i'm like all of my friends had the ones with the piano keys like clunk clunk yeah Mine have this little tiny flush keys that you press lightly and it will start playing rewinding it right and so we had this incredible stereo system, right? And I remember because it was still sort of knobs in the 80s, right? So you would put the headphones on, you pop in your record, right? And as soon as you lower the stylus, you had all these knobs, right? So I want more treble. I want less bass for this particular record I'm listening to, right? Because this is my Madonna Like a Prayer didn't need that much bass because it was such an incredible album. And it was a German pressing, thank God, because I grew up in South America. So it was an incredible record for me. The sound was incredible. And so it didn't need bass. It had enough bass on the record, right? So you lower the bass, you pump up the treble, right? And so you adjust your experience. This is how I want to listen to this particular album. 
right? And you sit that and you immerse yourself in that album, which I miss so much now because even the new record players, you don't have all the fiddling things to play with. And so then you're like, oh, I'm here, right? And so that is life. You adjust the treble, the bass, you know, whatever else in your equalizer system in order to adjust to the experience that you want to. And that's why there is no need to condemn someone who finds sort of um, value. Like what happens a lot here in New York City is we have a, a huge homeless population. And so what I see constantly is people looking at this homeless people with sort of judgment and condemnation. And I'm like, they're like, oh, my God, this is disgusting. Right. And the reality is, like, has it crossed your mind that maybe that's what they adjusted their learning level to be choosing, to yeah. get the experience that they wanted? So it holds value ultimately, right? So we can't say it's lower vibrational. It might feel lower vibrational to us because we're in a different frequency. So rather than lower vibrational, it's more of we're at dissonant frequencies. That's all. Because I'm at this thing right and i saw in a video too saying like people will like judge and condemn homeless people but they would be people who have money but would do drugs willingly at a club right but then you're judging the person that's doing drugs in the street and it's like but you're kind of doing the same thing just in a different environment isn't that right? the way of gaslighting though because they all do this right the people who um are railing against homosexuality come out as closet homosexuals later you see this a lot in churches and things like this you'll see whatever's condemned is really something that they're participating in and it's one of those things that whenever a partner i've heard this analogy when a partner is accusing you of cheating they're actually the one cheating right it's because they right. in their scope of reality can't envision a world in which that wouldn't occur with you as well right Right, exactly. And so I feel like judgment and condemnation, it's sort of a a crotch. I posted yesterday one of Rumi's quotes on, on my Instagram, right? What it talks about that, right? It's sort of like using condemnation and judgment as a cane, per se, right? And it is a cane because it's you having the inability to say, maybe if I go through rehab and physical rehab, Maybe I'll walk again without the cane, right? So in order for you to move beyond judgment, you have to be able to let go of your preconceived notions and what you know and try to understand from an expansive point of view, expanded reality. Come on. <laughs> I want to plug you in. I love it. Right? So it's like looking at life. And so what the tarot does for you ultimately is it shows you an expansive point of view from where you're viewing yourself in a constricted point of view, a victimized point of view. So the tarot comes in and expands what you are seeing immediately and saying, beyond what you can see, here's what's developing and what's happening. And that's what people are like, that's predicting the future. And it's like, yes and no. It's just giving you the blind spots you're not seeing and the good that in this situation that might be perceived as bad will come out of right and so it's an expansive tool ultimately is a tool to expand our points of view and only when somebody who judges homosexuality for example begins to understand what it is to grow up in a society that condemns it right what it is to be yourself in a society that like sort of forces you to conform 
to a certain ideal, right? Then you start realizing, my God, they're heroes, right? And so when we go beyond our judgment, which is contracted, it's a contracted point of view. I want to see the world from my perspective, right? And it's like, well, you need to expand that perception, maybe, perhaps, to understand the value of it. Going back to that rock, it's either just a rock or it's going to help you survive at one point. So maybe that rock has to be looked at with reverence. Do you get what I mean? Which is what we lost in our modern society. You know, it's this, it's just being able to stop and smell a flower. You know, I had um, someone right. on the show recently, uh, Beck Mylonis, and she's incredible Australian. I'm going to hook you up with her. Y'all, uh, this dovetails so beautifully. Uh, and we were talking about this idea that it's just for you. You know, it's, it's just yours. Just take it and run. One of the right. things, um, this love, uh, your it's a personal quote here, tool too. It's a person. It's all personal. It's all for you. So love is without reason. Rationality is like a cane. Judgment needs a cane because it's blind. When love arrives through, uh, through destiny's shadow, love is the sunrise, while thought is just a flashing light. By Rumi, that was your right. post that you had. Right. So thought is just a limited perspective of the situation. Yeah. You're condemning something or someone because of something that you read, but that means that you're stopping at that point and you're not investigating further. But if you investigate further, then you can understand with a little more love and compassion. And that's what the poem talks about. It's understanding the world through the lens of love and compassion, which is what is lacking in our reality because we live in a reality based on dominance. Together. Do you feel that we were handed that reality based on dominance so that we could create the new one? Let me put it this way. Would it be fun for you if you're sent on a, how do you call that um, here in the States? It's like a treasure hunt. Oh, like a scavenger hunt? To, a scavenger hunt. Do you think that a scavenger hunt will be fun if you already knew where the item was hidden? You know, no, of course not. Um, no, because then it would be just too easy. It wouldn't be fun. You would be like, where's the bar? Because I'm bored. Right, right. We got all the shit. You don't need the challenge. And they bring this up in Matrix. They brought a, they made a perfect one, but they wouldn't accept the program because there's no challenges, right? There's no growth without challenge. So my question is, though, do you think that there's a part in our experience to where we get not through all the challenges, or but we get to a healed enough point to where the energy shifts to a point of just this crazy creation like to where it's not so much about welcome to the fifth dimension that right there yeah yeah and you welcome think that, to the fifth dimension and this is something people experience personally in their lives it's not a you do you think that it's a ubiquitous sweeping sort of uh, time period that everyone goes through and that some people have the option to it or do you think like it's a learning tool that if you can make it up this mountain that when you get to the top of that mountain now you're in the fifth dimension but a lot of people don't even climb the damn mountain you know what i mean metaphor not ascension yeah not hierarchical Right. But that's the thing that we need to start understanding as humans is that not everyone came here to get to the fifth dimension. Right. Right. Some people are at a level that you just want to, you know, experience loss and heartbreak and, you know, understanding their position in the world. I love your metaphor with the AKA trouble. politicians and people who are sort of aiming for, for power, right? Their lessons are not invalid. It's just that that's what they came here to play. Exactly. 
Uh, and I like I wanted to compliment you on your metaphor for the treble bass because yes, uh, in the metaphor you're given a record, but you can tailor that record, that standard experience that everybody Absolutely, gets. Because it's like each a and every record has such a different resonance to it, right? That if you're listening to like, um, my brother was such a perfectionist, I wasn't allowed to touch his album, so I had to wait until he wasn't home. But I was really good with records. I never scratched a record. No joke. I never scratched a record in my life. I'm really good. I was really good, too, at placing the, the stylus with my finger without using the little mechanism thing. <clears throat> so I would never scratch a record. But my brother was like, do not touch my records. You know how it is with siblings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he would have, like, um, one of my favorite records. There were two favorite records of his that I... If he sees this interview, he will be really pissed because I've listened to those records many times. It was Hysteria by Def Leppard and uh, Van Halen's 1984. Hell yeah. Because I was a little more fluffy. I was more into Madonna and Kyla Minogue, 80s Kyla Minogue and all of that kind of stuff. Jason Donovan and all of that. Um, Rick Astley, which everyone hates now. <laughs> but then I had my moments where I'm like, I'm craving a little rock and roll. Or Joan Jett's, um, I forgot that album, Joan Jett's album. It was like in 1988. But anyways, it was the one that I hate myself for loving you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would listen to that one too. So there are moments in time where you want to listen to rock, right? So you might want to add a little more bass to it. Up Your Alley, 1988. Boom! Yeah, We're doing there this you on go. The fly, that was a people. really good album. Right. It was a really good album. Uh, but anyways, I would listen to those, right? And you would have to tailor to have a little more bass because it's rock and roll, right? But then you'll go with something with a little more synth, like Madonna. Madonna's Like a Prayer, which was my favorite album. And my last album, actually. We went into CDs after that. <laughs> yeah. But I remember, you know, her album needed more travel for me, right? And so what you're studying or what you're trying to expand on it's the experience you're in and you sort of move the equalizer to the experience you're in right and, 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 and your so, ears are symbolic for your intuition they tell you what adjustments need to be made right exactly and so where you find yourself is the adjust the adjustments that you need to do in life right and some people come in for a more enlightened experience because that's the thing, if we look at the earth, and this is going to be really woo-woo, if you look at the earth, again, it will re resemble everything that I just named, the guitar, the rock, the Bible. You can come in here and experience absolute suffering for your entire experience, if that is exactly what you wanted to learn from, right? Or you can come in and experience a fifth dimensional reality within that reality. That one. So there is a point in which you leave a main sort of mainstream matrix and you move into your own matrix that's created by you to tailor make the rest of your experience. And in that resonance, you connect with the people who are resonating at that level. You get it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. But one bubble becomes another bubble and another bubble and it starts sort of expanding. And so that's the beauty of Earth is you have a plethora of experiences. Just adjust your equalizer to where you are. Ariel Vega, all the ways to find you located down in the show notes. I cannot thank you enough, my friend. We have so many more things to look forward to. I've already got you booked on an expansive insider. We are absolutely going to do that. But again, can't thank you enough. This is a treasure. All the ways again, guys, located down in the show notes. Thank you, my dear friend. Thank you, my love, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and thank you for the opportunity. It was great talking to you. 
just want to take a moment and thank my dear friend Ariel Vega for coming by and being just super awesome. All the ways, of course, to find him located down in the show notes. Make sure that you guys take advantage of that. Now, while you're down in those show notes, we have resource links available for you to take advantage of as well. Also located down there is expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is the mothership for this whole damn thing here. So that is where you can sign up to become an expansive insider. That's uh, the best way to support the show, I think, because you get all this really cool bonus stuff in exchange. We're doing these uh, lives now where you guys are participating in these a couple times a month and only scaling those up. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, So go take advantage of that as well. That's where you can find our merch store. Now all of our merch is changing. So if you like something over there, go take a look at it and snag it up before we move it out of there for you. Uh, Also, we have the support the mission. This is a value for value system. So if you find it valuable, we're always grateful if you're a participatory member in the value exchange program. A buck, anything. It all helps and it's all located below uh, any way you want to do it. So thank you again for all the support and all that located below. Now guys, go out into this incredibly beautiful and mysterious place, whatever the hell this thing is, and y'all pick up a piece of litter. Be nice to everybody that you come across. Uh, buy somebody in line around you a coffee or a meal, something super small like that. It goes a really long way in the collective as Ripple goes. Uh, as well, while you're doing all of that stuff, get out of the left-hand lane if you've got somebody behind you wanting to pass. And of course, above all and anything else, go out into this incredibly beautiful and mysterious as fuck place, whatever it is. Y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for watching, listening, enjoying, engaging, and just being the coolest, coolest sons of bitches ever. We'll see you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.